Hello, and welcome to the Power Your Advice podcast. The Power Your Advice podcast is designed to bring you new ideas, why those ideas should be considered, and how to implement those into your business. This podcast is brought to you by iris.xyz, the most helpful place advisors can come to to grow their minds and businesses. This is your host, Doug Eikenen. And our guest today is Tony Steek, who's the Chief Operating Officer at Advisant. Good morning, Tony. Hey, Doug, how are you? I'm good. How have you and your family been as the world changes? Are you back in the office? I'm actually back in the office. Um, for those who don't know, I uh, am a father of uh, five, Whoa. which means, yes, which means working in the office, typically there's less people in the office than there are at home. And that is, that is the case. So I've actually been back in the office for a couple of weeks now. Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a wild um, 150 days or so. That, that, that is for sure. And everybody's well and good at home. Yeah, we're all good. We're well. We decided to move during this whole pandemic too, which uh, added a little bit of complexity to it, but uh, we got to spread out a bit more. Everyone's been staying safe and healthy, which is, which is good. Hopefully the same for you and your family. Yes, it is the same. So let's get into this. Do you think most advisors fully grasp the breadth and possibilities of fintech? Wow, what a loaded question, but a great one. So I think that your modern day advisor, uh, the ones that are moving into the profession, have a better understanding or grip on what technology can do for an advisor. I think those that have been um, working in the industry for a longer period of time might be a little more hesitant to understand and embrace what technology can do. And what we've, so at Advicent and Navaplan in particular, we've always taken this kind of, this position that technology is a complementary part of your practice. It allows um, the individual advisor the ability to provide more advice, to be more efficient, kind of automate those back office tasks, all those things that get in the way of an advisor doing the best job they can in terms of developing and nurturing their clients and truly being that financial life coach or that individual who's really going to help people make their ways through their lives financially. So we, we've taken that position that technology is complementary, um, but I think to answer your question, it's a mixed bag, but certainly we always encourage advisors to embrace technology because it's going to make them better at their practice. Yeah. Is technology going to be a way for you and others to attract the next generation of advisors? I, that's without question what's going to happen. I think, and I've talked to many advisors who are looking at that succession planning. They're looking at ways, just kind of planning out the future. And when we talk with them and, you know, many consultants will, will say the same, you need to be attractive in terms of technology, not just your book of business, but how are you providing advice? Just imagine if you were a younger advisor and you're looking at success, you know, acquiring a practice or, or, or working through a succession plan and you look at their back office technology stack and it's older and antiquated or it doesn't exist, I think there would be some concern. I think there would be a little bit of a hesitancy because you're saying you're, you know, that new advisor think, well, how am I supposed to modernize this platform? How am I supposed to make those investments? So to answer your question, absolutely. When you look at succession planning or breaking off or attracting new advisors, that back office technology is 
absolutely part of the consideration set. And if you have the latest and greatest, if you're, if you're adopting it and leveraging it correctly, you're going to be much more appealing to younger advisors that are looking to either join your firm or to help you with that succession planning. You've been working on a new report. What can you tell us about that? Well, so the report itself, we've been working on, okay, we talked about the pandemic at the beginning Mm -hmm. and really, wow, it has changed the way we are going to, we, I believe it's an inflection point, quite frankly, we are, this industry has truly upended itself. And now we're looking at how to provide advice differently and not even, you know, the zoom meetings or interacting more digitally. We have a great deal of data. We, so we, what we did was we, we kind of took a look at what we've been, you know, our traditional planning volume, our traditional metrics. We looked at um, metrics around, you know, onboarding new clients before the pandemic, during the pandemic, and after the pandemic. And we saw a remarkable shift at the beginning of this pandemic from almost, I wouldn't say a screeching halt, but a really a significant slowdown in onboarding new clients. And we saw this radical jump in the amount of plans being updated. And so much so that we're saying, wow, this is remarkable. And we, now we believe that as, as we kind of, this pandemic kind of uh, hopefully sorts itself out, we believe that the uh, client onboarding will actually accelerate, right? But so the evidence all suggests that advisors and their clients were focusing on that plan, digging into that plan, making sure that plan was updated. But what was, what's even really cooler about that is the catalyst was the client. The client was finally, they were really starting to look at the plan to see if they're on track. And what we're starting to see now is the client truly appreciating the financial advisor or the professional and that plan which was the reason for what we've recently done was uh, announced the market that we're making our client portal available for free. Yeah. We actually opened it up, turned it on. We actually sent back. So we have, uh, you know, thousands of advisors on our client portal, the current happy paying customers. We were sending back refunds. We were rebating them. We actually said, you know what, for the next couple of years, it's for free. Then any new advisor too, for free, because we were saying we wanted to help. Because we saw this influx of client activity. We saw this influx of prospect activity. And so we said, we're going to chip in. We're going to help. We're going to make advice digitally available to your clients and prospects. And really, it's bore a great deal of fruit. We've seen thousands of new clients added, hundreds, almost thousands of advisors being added to this platform because obviously it's for free. But really, we're seeing that now, that volume. Because as I said at the beginning, it's an inflection point. Digital advice real-time relevant data is what the client is now desiring, especially in light of this pandemic. And it's really going to change the way clients and advisors interact together, especially digitally. So why give it away? What's the benefit for you? The benefit for us is there wasn't a benefit. I think it was just a noble thing to do was to say, you know what, during this time of uncertainty, during this challenging time, we wanted to help. I mean, our, it speaks to our mission, Doug. Our mission is to enable everyone to understand and impact their financial future. And so we thought during this global pandemic, during this awful situation we, we all experienced, we wanted to give back. And we did so with that. Now, the one day in the future, the portal might not be free. 
currently, you know, that'll end at the end of 2021. Who knows what'll happen after that? But obviously, hopefully, you know, clients will then see the value, advisors then see the value, continue on with the portal. Um, but really, we thought it was our way of stepping up and uh, kind of really living our mission. So back to the report for a second. You said you saw a massive number of new clients seeking plans or people updating their plans. Did the data go a little bit deeper than that? I mean, COVID divorces, COVID babies, any speculation? <laughs> I can't. It's, it's a little too early to tell. Um, you know, actually, it's funny. You bring up COVID divorces and COVID babies. Uh, my sister actually just announced she's having her fourth child. Um, so I, 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 the anecdotal evidence exists. Um, I, you know, I have, I have met a few, you know, neighbors and such that express some same, the COVID baby, the COVID divorce. So it, I think it's too early to tell. We haven't seen that. What we have seen in the data, what we've seen in this, uh, the client portal is going in and making sure they're still on track. And what we've seen is also, again, we have not seen, you know, a variety of 529s, you know, or college planning for kid, for babies, but we have seen emergency fund planning. We've seen a lot more of that, right? We've seen a lot more of, you know, I'm not going to be caught without that adequate savings like I was this time. So we're definitely seeing that, that data. Um, but yeah, too early to tell on, on, uh, <laughs> on the divorces or the babies, but Definitely some really cool information on clients really, again, and I think what excites me most is that the client is now, I think they're looking at the advisor differently, Doug. They're not looking at the advisors, okay, this person manages my money, this person yells at me when I spend too much money, this person is the one I you know talk to once a quarter or once a year. They're now saying, this, I need to, I need to be, I need to be more forthright with my advisor. I need to get them involved with all of my decisions because they are here to help. That plan did help. It assured me. And so I think we're seeing just a different way a client and advisor is going to interact going forward. So continuing on that, that thought, what is the future of advice? Are, are we on the threshold of technology being revolutionary or just a continued evolution? Well, so I think, what a great question, Doug, because we are, it's really fascinating when you think about it, when you're living in present day, everything seems to move at a, a, a snail's pace, right? You, you look at technology on any given day and you say to yourself, nothing's changed, nothing's changed, nothing's changed. But when you look, when you look back, when you actually kind of look back, you see how rapidly it's changing, especially in today's era. So we are, I believe, on the precipice of something great. I think we've seen these iterative technological revolutions occurring. We, in fact, we talk about it as these, the, the three waves of financial planning. We saw that first wave being really around cash flow planning in the 90s, right? And the short answer was that was reserved for the kind of the higher affluent classes, like the ultra high net worth or high net worth, because it was laborious, time consuming. And it, it re really was reserved for those that, uh, that profitable client. And then you saw, you know, 2000s, really that shift to goals-based planning, that second wave of planning where they, we kind of moved away from understanding the cash flow. We just understood the goals. We kind of provided advice. It was, it was good because we were trying to democratize wealth management, but it was bad because it was an oversimplification of advice um, and not understanding the cash flow was didn't help the goals-based process. And we now we were shifting this third wave of financial planning, which is really the, 
the synthesis of goals-based and cash flow planning, kind of powered by account aggregation and like these digital tools. And we're now we're moving into that, and now it's rapidly evolving. So to answer your initial question, we're going to see a seismic shift in technology. What advice is predicting, and quite frankly, what we're working on, is looking at ways that the client and advisor can interact digitally together simultaneously. We believe that in the future, the client will be just as much in charge of the advice or the plan as the advisor. I don't know, have you ever heard, there was a really interesting report out um, around the investor population. And it was broken into three segments. The first segment, which is called the DIYers or the do-it-yourselfers, that comprised about 10 to 15% of the investing public. They said, you know what, I'm doing it myself. I can manage my investments. I'm gonna purchase equities. I'm gonna manage maybe through a digital robo, but it's they're doing it themselves, right? And on the other end of that spectrum is really these, what we call delegators that expect white glove service. They want to delegate all of their financial management to an advisor, right? Or to a, a you know, group of individuals. Another, again, about 10% of the investor public is, a, is those delegators, maybe closer to 15. But really that vast majority in the middle, they're called the validator segment. And that's really the vast majority of the investor public in the US and in Canada. And really, we're starting to see that uh, group grow, right? Validators, what they do is they make financial decisions or they add goals or they, or they do something, right, financially, and they seek validation from the advisor. And when the advisor provides advice or adds a goal or wishes to kind of move investments, that investor wants to validate that decision before it happens, right? We're seeing that, that, that class of individuals grow. So we believe technology is going to grow with that. We're going to see more shared advisor client experiences, especially in light of this pandemic. We're going to see a bigger shift that way, which we think is fascinating. And what we're also seeing, Doug, is that the client and the advisor is desiring a lot more a better user interface, a better user experience. You know, everyone refers to the Ubers and Amazons of the world, but everything around us digitally is impacting how we expect to interact digitally. And so we're gonna see this shift where this advisor and this client is going to demand a stunning user experience. They're gonna demand a better user interface because that's what they're getting everywhere else. So we're going to see advisor technology. I think those are the two big ones, you know, that shared client advisor interaction or experience, but also really this expectation of a, a stunning, easy to use, beautiful experience for both the client and the advisor. I think those are the two seismic shifts we're going to see now and in the future. Will we ever get to the point, say you have Alexa and she hears everything, you're talking to your wife about an overseas trip, if we can ever go again, and Alexa alerts your advisor of such a thing for planning. Too creepy or maybe? <laughs> so I just, I just read it. I bought, we just bought, I told you, Doug, we bought, renovated a home in the middle of the pandemic. And, uh, yeah. and so, you know, everything's smart, right? We have smart switches and we have all this stuff all over. Uh, too creepy, definitely too creepy. Um, I think what, 
what we will see first before we get to that point, I think what we'll see is maybe Google and Amazon or any other search or kind of voice enabled feature that if you're Googling trips to the Bahamas, perhaps that data can somehow manifest itself into the lap of the advisor or the financial services firm. I think we'll see kind of that slow kind of shift towards that. That's very possible, but I think uh, too creepy. Too creepy, at least for me, Doug, too creepy. Is it any less creepy than my wife's looking at a pair of Brooks running shoes on her phone and it shows up in my Instagram feed? I know it's, I know, I know. Or it, well, people, you know, now it's where you're on the phone talking to your wife about buying toothpaste when you get home and sure enough on your Facebook uh, feed, you know, there is that ad. So I do think that'll over time that will change. I think that, you know, the big players probably first will kind of get into this. I mean, you hear it already that you can get account values from Alexa in the morning. It's actually interesting, Doug, because I could see a, a world where, you know, you say, you know, what's the weather like today, Alexa? And they say, this is what it is. How do my goals look today, Alexa? You're 96% on track. What are the, you know, what sports games are today? I do see that happening over time. I do see that people just want to get that nugget or that tidbit. And then perhaps over time, you grant more permissions for that to be kind of uh, exposed to more financial services firms or your advisor. There you go. You guys are supposed to be our dreamers. <laughs> I, I, we have plenty of dreams we're cooking up. Um, they just don't in, in, include Alexa at the, at the moment. Okay. So what do you make of the technology arms race out there in our industry? I mean, everybody's buying, getting bigger. How do advisors stay up to date with the changing landscape? You know, Doug, I think arms race is the great, a great way to put it. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of friends in the industry as you do too, Doug. And I know you're, you know, you know, when we go to these conferences, we see this stuff, we see all these firms getting gobbled up and, and I guess, you know, there's two sides to the coin, right? On the one side, you know, you're definitely seeing lines drawn in the sand and you're seeing, you know, technology stacks are being created that are just simply an end to end solution for the advisor or the financial services firm. And I think there's some benefit to that, right? There's, there truly is a, you know, if you can get all the right pieces together and you have meaningful integrations, I think there's value to that because that makes you more efficient in your practice. The data transference is more accurate and just, and it's just, you know, one check to cut every month or every year. Mm -hmm. So I, I see some value there, but I also on the flip side, I do have concerns around innovation and I'm speaking personally. When you start acquiring or gobbling up firms, you know, there is then a fight for resources there's then a fight for innovation. And what you, so there has to be this the delicate balance, right? Because we are an independent financial planning software firm. Um, and so, you know, we take pride in, you know, keeping our eyes on the North Star of innovation and focusing on what we do best, which is financial planning. And so, again, there's the two sides of the coin. On the one side, great, one-stop shop, all in. On the other side, it's you know, can they keep up with innovation? Can they make sure they're answering the desires of their clients? You know, so I think that's a delicate balance. I do think, uh, one more thing, I do think we're gonna see more of that accelerate. I think M&A, I think our industry is very attractive. I think we have some very cool things happening in our space. It, you know, there's ripe room for disruption around, you know, new technologies and how, the way, how we provide advice. So that's gonna keep happening. So I will just 
at the end, I want to say this around that question. When you are buying or procuring technology as an advisor, and maybe you're going to buy the all-in-one solution, or you're going to, maybe you want to go it alone and kind of buy the pieces that best suit your practice, either one is great. What I want to encourage everyone to do is always understand that you're not just buying the technology. You're buying the vision. You're buying the roadmap. You're buying the customer service. You're buying the training and the support. Technology, it can be very flashy up front or, or very attractive, but what else are you buying? So I just caution individuals that are looking to acquire technology to understand the totality of what they're acquiring. Not just technology, but the service and support that's provided afterward during the onboarding process. And then, of course, what you're buying into in terms of roadmap. So I just caution everyone because I think there's two sides of the coin. You could go either way. You know, it depends on the advisor and what they desire. But really make sure you're buying something that fits your needs that's going to help you in the long run. That was a really good answer. Thank you. Um, two last things. Um, what's up with the purple? What purple? You know, I, you know, it, uh, I don't know how that got legs of its own. And I don't know, I might have to give uh, Kitsies credit for it. I'm trying to remember who first said it, but I know Kitsies and I were talking at uh, Impact a couple years ago about it. And, you know, he heard it uttered or he suggested it. I don't remember who. I, I wish, you know, I, I should give credit to those that, you know, that suggested it. But then it just kind of got its own legs and it became a hashtag. And, you know, the tennis shoes, you know, the purple tennis shoes were a thing. And, and, uh, and now it's, you know, got, got a life of its own. I have, Kitsies and I were joking because Kitsies has all the blue shirts and I have all the purple ties, but the purple tennis shoes. And it's just fun, Doug. It, you know, financial service, first, full disclosure, you know, I work, we work with the largest enterprise financial services firms in the world. So when I'm in New York in the boardroom, I'm not wearing my purple tennis shoes. I will be wearing a purple tie, uh, but I'm not wearing, you know, the, the Jordans or whatever. Um, but it's just fun. It's different. Uh, and it really took on a life of its own. And, you know, just recently my children found out about it um, and I don't know how, uh, but now they get a kick out of it too, because, you know, the collection of purple shoes and the ties and yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. No tattoos, no Mr. Purple tattoos. I can assure you that um, don't worry there, but yeah, we've enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, the marketing team is, they've approved it. So, uh, you know, all in on Mr. Purple, I guess. All right. Last one. Yeah. Are you excited about the future for the end investor with what an advisor and technology is going to be able to bring them together? Without question, just a little bit of backstory. Um, you know, I'm raised with a big family. We never were um, wealthy by any, you know, wealthy in the, in the normal sense. Uh, we were, you know, you know, larger families, you know, you just can't, you know, just trying to get by. Right. And that was really kind of what made me so attracted to advice and, and our mission statement. And really just as industry, we talk about the democratization of wealth management and how can we get financial plans into the hands of more people, especially those that are overlooked. And, you know, there's some very noble individuals out there that are trying to do that. And I believe in general, our industry is moving towards that. How can we get better plans into the hands of more people, enabling everyone to understand and impact their financial future. And so that's why I'm so excited for the end investor, because I believe that's happening because it shouldn't just be, you know, you know, a handful of goals here or there. It shouldn't just be the basics. Everyone deserves a comprehensive plan, Doug. 
I we looked at, you know, a couple of years where we looked at kind of the core components, what's essential to a plan. And we kind of identified really there's nine key components to a financial plan, like nine essentials. And we even included estate planning. And when you think about it on its face, you say to yourself, well, estate planning really should really only make sense for a few of the wealth classes. And we we begged we we beg to differ. Everyone deserves each of those components. It's just the level of depth. It's just the level of how far you go based on the amount of wealth someone has. Because everyone wants to leave a legacy. You know, and maybe that is just an insurance policy, or maybe that truly is an estate plan. But my point is this we need to get better, more comprehensive plans, unique plans into the hands of more people. We're in a different world than we were 30 years ago. 30 years ago, you graduated from high school, you might have gone to college, you moved out of your parents' home, you got married, you had more kids, rinse, wash, repeat. Okay. In today's day and age, we have children that graduate from college where they're saddled with significant debt, they move back with their parents. At the same time, that those parents might have their parents living in their home as well. I mean, the, the financial, the unique nature of what we need to do in terms of advice is so significantly different than ever before. And so that's why everyone deserves a financial plan. Everyone deserves those nine essentials of a plan because that's how we're going to help everyone retire better. Right. And so I'm excited about the end investor. I believe technology is going to help us get there. I believe the advisor will be the central figure of that for the foreseeable future, if not forever. Um, but that's what excites me because I believe our industry has the noble mission of democratizing wealth management, and we're seeing it happen every day. And, and sadly, but positively, the pandemic has probably pushed that forward faster because now people are more people everywhere is desiring a financial plan, is desiring the help of an advisor to protect themselves from things like this in the future. Tony, that was just fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Doug, I really enjoyed this. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to checking this out uh, and hearing this. And uh, yeah, again, thank you so much, Doug. For everyone at Iris Media Works and our producer, Jakey Beard, and the Power Your Advice podcast team, this is Doug Heikinen.